Chapter 59 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Arrival of McTavish at Astoria. Conduct of his followers. Negotiations of McDougall and McTavish. Bargain for the transfer of Astoria. Doubts entertained of the loyalty of McDougall on the second of october about five weeks after mr hunt had sailed in the albatross from astoria mr mackenzie set off with two canoes and twelve men for the posts of messrs stewart and clark to appraise them of the new arrangements determined upon in the recent conference of the partners at the factory he had not ascended the river a hundred miles when he met a squadron of ten canoes sweeping merrily down under british colours the canadian oarsmen as usual in full song it was an armament fitted out by mctavish who had with him mr j stewart another partner of the northwest company together with some clerks and sixty-eight men seventy-five souls in all they had heard of the frigate phoebe and the isaac todd being on the high seas and were on their way down to await their arrival in one of their canoes mr clark came as a passenger the alarming intelligence having brought him down from his post on the spokane mr mackenzie immediately determined to return with him to astoria and veering about the two parties encamped together for the night the leaders of course observed a due decorum but some of the subalterns could not restrain their chuckling exultation boasting that they would soon plant the british standard on the walls of astoria and drive the americans out of the country in the course of the evening mr mackenzie had a secret conference with mr clark in which they agreed to set off privately before daylight and get down in time to appraise macdougall of the approach of these northwesters the latter however were completely on the alert just as mackenzie's canoes were about to push off they were joined by a couple from the northwest squadron in which was mctavish with two clerks and eleven men with these he intended to push forward and make arrangements leaving the rest of the convoy in which was a large quantity of furs to await his orders the two parties arrived at astoria on the seventh of october the northwesters encamped under the guns of the fort and displayed the british colors the young men in the fort natives of the united states were on the point of hoisting the american flag but were forbidden by mr mcdougall they were astonished at such a prohibition and were exceedingly galled by the tone and manner assumed by the clerks and retainers of the northwest company who ruffled about in that swelling and braggart style which grows up among these heroes of the wilderness they in fact considered themselves lords of the ascendant and regarded the hampered and harassed astorians as a conquered people on the following day mcdougall convened the clerks and read to them an extract from a letter from his uncle mr angus shaw one of the principal partners of the northwest company announcing the coming of the phoebe and isaac todd to take and destroy everything american on the northwest coast this intelligence was received without dismay by such of the clerks as were natives of the united states they had felt indignant at seeing their national flag struck by a canadian commander 
and the british flag flowed as it were in their faces they had been stung to the quick also by the vaunting airs assumed by the northwesters in this mood of mind they would willingly have nailed their colors to the staff and defied the frigate she could not come within many miles of the fort they observed and any boat she might send could be destroyed by their cannon there were cooler and more calculating spirits however who had the control of affairs and felt nothing of the patriotic pride and indignation of these youths the extract of the letter had apparently been read by MacDougall merely to prepare the way for a preconcerted stroke of management on the same day mr mctavish proposed to purchase the whole stock of goods and furs belonging to the company both at astoria and in the interior at cost and charges mr mcdougall undertook to comply assuming the whole management of the negotiation in virtue of the power vested in him in case of the non-arrival of mr hunt that power however was limited and specific and did not extend to an operation of this nature and extent no objection however was made to his assumption and he and mctavish soon made a preliminary arrangement perfectly satisfactory to the latter mr stewart and the reserve party of northwesters arrived shortly afterwards and encamped with mctavish the former exclaimed loudly against the terms of the arrangement and insisted upon a reduction of the prices new negotiations had now to be entered into the demands of the northwesters were made in a peremptory tone and they seemed disposed to dictate like conquerors the americans looked on with indignation and impatience they considered MacDougall as acting if not a perfidious certainly a craven part he was continually repairing to the camp to negotiate instead of keeping within his walls and receiving overtures in his fortress his case they observed was not so desperate as to excuse such crouching he might in fact hold out for his own terms the northwest party had lost their ammunition they had no goods to trade with the natives for provisions and they were so destitute that MacDougall had absolutely to feed them while he negotiated with them he on the contrary was well lodged and victualled had sixty men with arms ammunition boats and everything requisite either for defence or retreat the party beneath the guns of his fort were at his mercy should an enemy appear in the offing he could pack up the most valuable part of the property and retire to some place of concealment or make off for the interior these considerations however had no weight with mr MacDougall, or were overruled by other motives the terms of sale were lowered by him to the standard fixed by mr stuart and an agreement executed on the sixteenth of october by which the furs and merchandise of all kinds in the country belonging to mr astor passed into the possession of the northwest company at about a third of their value a safe passage through the northwest posts was guaranteed to such as did not choose to enter into the service of that company and the amount of wages due to them was to be deducted from the price paid for astoria 
the conduct and motives of mr mcdougall throughout the whole of this proceeding have been strongly questioned by the other partners he has been accused of availing himself of a wrong construction of powers vested in him at his own request and of sacrificing the interests of mr astor to the northwest company under the promise or hope of advantage to himself he always insisted however that he made the best bargain for mr astor that circumstances would permit the frigate being hourly expected in which case the whole property of that gentleman would be liable to capture that the return of mr hunt was problematical the frigate intending to cruise along the coast for two years and clear it of all american vessels he moreover averred and mctavish corroborated his averment by certificate that he proposed an arrangement to that gentleman by which the furs were to be sent to canton and sold there at mr astor's risk and for his account but the proposition was not acceded to notwithstanding all his representations several of the persons present at the transaction and acquainted with the whole course of the affair and among the number mr mackenzie himself his occasional coadjutor remained firm in the belief that he had acted a hollow part neither did he succeed in exculpating himself to mr astor that gentleman declaring in a letter written some time afterwards to mr hunt that he considered the property virtually given away had our place and our property he adds been fairly captured i should have preferred it i should not feel as if i were disgraced all these may be unmerited suspicions but it certainly is a circumstance strongly corroborative of them that mr mcdougall shortly after concluding this agreement became a member of the northwest company and received a share productive of a handsome income footnote not quite forty thousand dollars were allowed for furs worth upwards of a hundred thousand beaver was valued at two dollars per skin though worth five dollars land otter at fifty cents though worth five dollars sea otter at twelve dollars worth from forty-five to sixty dollars and for several kinds of furs nothing was allowed moreover the goods and merchandise for the indian trade ought to have brought three times the amount for which they were sold the following estimate has been made of the articles on hand and the prices seventeen thousand seven hundred five pounds beaver parchment valued at two dollars worth five dollars four hundred sixty five old coat beaver valued at a dollar sixty six worth three dollars fifty cents nine hundred seven land otter valued at fifty cents worth five dollars sixty eight sea otter valued at twelve dollars worth forty five to sixty dollars thirty sea otter valued at five dollars worth twenty five dollars nothing was allowed for a hundred seventy nine mink skins worth each forty cents twenty two raccoon worth each forty cents twenty eight lynx worth each two dollars eighteen fox worth each one dollar one hundred six fox worth each a dollar fifty seventy one black bear worth each four dollars sixteen grizzly bear worth each ten dollars end of chapter fifty nine